Hey, and welcome back to the SC Podcast. I'm your host, David Hargett, and joining me is a really good friend of mine, Mr. Blake Wiseman, who is actually the one who introduced me to SC Pie in the first place. So without him, I wouldn't be here. Blake is an incredible friend, and he's also one of the leaders of Spill the Honey, which is an organization working to use the template of the coalition building between the Black and Jewish communities and the civil rights movement as a launchpad for future generations and in a beacon of hope as how we can work together to form a more harmonious society. So they're doing some amazing work with media and the arts, trying to increase awareness on this really important issue. Blake also has a lot of tremendous insights about how to build an effective team. So tons of good stuff in here. It's also pretty funny. It made me laugh several times throughout the episode. So I really think you're going to enjoy it. And I hope you do. So here we go. Well, thank you so much, Blake, for being in the studio with us today. Really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, right before we even started recording, I was thinking of uh, introducing you instead of oh, you. Me. A little role reversal. We're, we're going to reverse a little bit. So welcome to SE Podcast with David Hargett. He is one of the premier brothers in the premier entrepreneurship fraternity who's been interviewing some great entrepreneurs and great people in the SCPI community. So I'm saying thank you for this experience um, because you, you're the one who instigated it. This is a great, I, this is a great platform and I'm happy you're doing this. You have the voice. He's been, David has been told he has the announcer voice. So as yeah. you listen to the podcast, you can hear how soothing his, his voice is. And I think we're all appreciative of that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just lost my job. Blake is now officially the new host of SE Podcast. So it's been nice. It's been an honor and a privilege. I'll see you never. All right. But with that being said, Blake, he is the expert here. He's been doing a ton of amazing work with recruiting, getting to know all the brothers and bringing in some incredible new pledges. So he's been highly integrated throughout all of SE Pie and has some pretty cool ventures on his own that he's been working on really diligently, building a brand, figuring out how to establish that community. So I'm really excited to dive into it throughout the course of this episode. But let's just kick things off. I know you just got back from a nice little vacation, the stressful time of the year. Tell us a little bit about where you were and who you were with. So um, I, I was with, well, first of all, where I was, we went to Joshua Tree. For those who don't know and aren't on the West Coast, I'm stationed in Vegas. I was born and raised. So this is in California. We were in Joshua Tree. And it was phenomenal to escape the Ann Arbor winters, go into the beautiful weather of Joshua Tree. The beautiful thing is that there are so many different hikes and the hikes are so different from each other. So there was one where we went on this extremely narrow and steep hike that um, once you got to the top, you saw this amazing sunset, just beautiful. And it's super rewarding to go on this hour and a half hiatus up this super narrow strip, which you could definitely break your ankles on to see this super amazing <laughs> view. And then on the flip hand, there's this more relaxing, but Spider-Man type of venture or a trail or whatever. And there's bouldering, you can climb whatever. And it's just great to be with a cool community of, of friends. I was with uh, a couple brothers and um, significant others. And it was just a really, really nice time. Good to get out of the, the quarantine COVID zone. I'm not bound by a lease. So I figured why not go, go hike and um, enjoy my time. Right. Now I'm envious of you. I get my little box of a room here. I get to leave it about once a day and that's my big excitement, but going on a hike certainly sounds luxurious at this point. 
my question to you is do you see any rattlesnakes because when my family and i were there there were a couple big boys out there that freaked me out we were uh we actually saw bison oh so when we were driving we saw these huge bison just hanging out it was very random it was like someone just took a sample size of these random bison and just plotted them in the middle of the road and there were no other bison nearby it just didn't it didn't make any logical sense <laughs> i was like why are these bison here but yeah uh no rattlesnakes to answer your question but but we did see bison and do you know what the father buffalo said to his kid when he left for work <laughs> no he said bye son <laughs> but um and, and that's all folks <laughs> <laughs> and i have re i am now the host again i just earned back my spot <laughs> with that joke transition the power over to me now <laughs> right <laughs> but good i'm glad that sounds sounds like a lovely time with some of the se pie brothers it's good to get back out in the open trail and get some nice relaxing time in nature and with your friends so i'm glad that you're able to experience that and but speaking of brothers speaking of this community that you've met, alluded to it's so robust as I mentioned, you were in charge of recruiting for this year. Can you walk us a little bit through that process and what that looked like for you, developing, developing the whole recruiting timeline, the events I would be having, and also specifically, what do you look for in a new SE Pi brother? So great question. I, I was, as David said, I, I was the VP of recruitment for SE Pi. Um, I worked with uh, SE Pi brother uh, Rachel and a couple other people on the committee to help me um, really find the best, best students. So it was a process and i'll break it down um stage by stage so the initial stage was around two months of pretty intense and detailed planning we had this amazing speaker come by who is an expert in recruiting uh for companies and startups he's built his own couple recruiting companies and our fraternity was fortunate enough to get a copy of how he recruits what he looks for and the entire philosophy of the recruiting cycle this time around was based on that his book, his philosophy is his proven methods. And basically it was just adjusted towards SEPI's needs. So sure. the basic, basic premise for those who are listening, and I think this will add hopefully some sizable value is this concept called DNA. Um, we know that biologically by, you know, what we're made of, but the same principle applies for companies or organizations. It's what they're made of. So his philosophy is to take this DNA and discuss, well, first of all, discover what your DNA is. So for SE Pi, what I did is I, I called over 20 brothers. I asked them, hey, who are three people in the fraternity that best represent SE Pi and why? So they would give each person's characteristics and say like, okay, let's just say David was mentioned. David, great voice. <laughs> great That's voice. all it takes to get in. <laughs> Whatever the characteristics were, um, I would take the characteristics and match them up by frequency. So the highest, the characteristics that were spoken of the most, those were ranked as the top five categories. And we ended up finding five key categories that would be a filter for our candidates. Um, so then throughout the process, the entire recruiting cycle was structured around this filtration system of, of DNA. Cause basically it's like, you're asking yourself, can you find someone who best represents SEPI and can we maximize that potential? Um, and when we're going through this interview process and this rush process, we're seeing, do they match up in these certain characteristics so that, you know, we find the best match. And, you know, luckily we had just an amazing class that hit so many of the boxes. Right. Um, and then in terms of, you know, 
so in terms of like what we were looking for um, for SEPI, the the big factors were entrepreneurial spirit, not necessarily an entrepreneur, which means, you know, in, in, in most cases, you've done a startup company, big exit, whatever. No, it's, it's mainly, you know, does this, is this person super open-minded? Do they work well with teams? Do they know how to be, you know, adaptive and use their resources, right? So there are characteristics mm-hmm. of someone who has that spirit, right? Who thinks differently. Um, then the second one was, you know, dedication, right? So for any company or organization, y- you want someone who likes your group and you want That's- someone who comes up. Right. Like if, you're not, if you're not showing up, I'm sorry, who, who wants, you want someone to show up and like support your people. Otherwise it's like, why, why would we even, you know, want someone like that? It doesn't make sense. So um, that would be the second one. The third one is it was passion. So what they care about, right? So you can really tell what's, what makes a person tick by what they're passionate about. And the, the unique thing about SEPI is that we get to intertwine all these unique interests right? From medical devices, uh, neuroscience, to uh, drones, to social justice, nonprofit work. There's so many unique collaborations and passions in SEPI that it's like, how can we add one more to the pie? Um, and I guess I won't release all the other two. So I'll, I'll keep the other two on the back burner. But, but basically, those are, those are the key characteristics that, that we're looking for. And, you know, it's really just how can we standardize a process that makes sure, that allows us to maximize SEPI's potential? And luckily, we got an amazing, amazing pledge class uh, that hits a lot of those marks. Yeah, you did did a phenomenal job. And I think part of what's really interesting is that process of how you're able to uncover the DNA of SEPI, because I think that's that's one of the biggest challenges for a lot of organizations is that they have this vision, they know their business plan, they know more of these objective criteria. But how do you define the essence? Of the group, what is that? What is that intangible culture that makes it up? And that's what's so difficult to replicate. That's what's so difficult to maintain over time, too. Um, so, so think about assembling all these pieces. You've got a lot of people that fit the boxes. How do you continue to integrate them into this overarching essence of an organization? For in relation to you know, SC Pi, Spill of Honey, or- in general, based uh, on your experience in both. So, culture is constantly evolving it's not just you put the initial upfront work and then your culture is built culture is a living organism that you have to continually fuel and if you don't you will see it firsthand that the culture will start to crumble sure right? even for let's say sc for example if no one shows up to the events then the culture will start to crumble the people won't be involved and excited and, and you know it's a it's a tipping effect so and then in terms of, you know, the work that I do with Spill the Honey, it's, it's really, how can you, it's a combination of your own personal values, right? If you're, if you're building something, it's how can you tie in your own personal values and mesh those with the organization's personal values to not only motivate yourself, but motivate others. So when you're, you know, recruiting uh, people to join your organization, that's something you, you'd like to look for too, is do they align with your values so that your culture doesn't disappear? You could get you know, an unbelievably professionally talented person, right. but they may not have any of your same values, which at the end of the day leads to conflict. And not that conflict is a bad thing, but it's one of those unavoidable conflicts that you can't really change. You can't change someone's values. It, <laughs> Uh, with the snap of your fingers it's right. just 
possible um, unless you go through some, you know, training with, uh, you know what I'm talking, what's this thing the people on the, on the podcast can't see, but hypnosis. They, they can't see you. Yeah. Blake's, Blake's yeah. waving his fingers back and forth. Like somebody's getting really sleepy, like they do in the movies, right. a little wash that is dangling. Shocked in. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, culture is, is an evolving process, but identifying those is, is really just asking each right. person in the organization that you, whose opinion you think matters, the people who are invested, the people who are on the ground. And really saying like, what is this organization? How do you view it? And then synthesizing their views together into something that's whole. So it's really just seeking input, um, mm -hmm. seeking feedback, seeking input and talking to people and identifying how they view it and then coming up with a, a blend, a synthesis of all that information. Right. I think you articulated that really well. At the end of the day, it's just about the people. You have to have people buying in and people working together to maintain that sense of alignment. Uh, that's huge in this whole process. And now just shifting gears a little bit, you've alluded to it slightly, and I haven't, haven't let you have the chance to dive into it yet, but talk us through Spill the Honey. How did you get involved and what is sort of the overarching mission of this organization? So Spill the Honey is, an, is it's a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to educating, building bridges, and using art and media to promote human dignity. Um, how did I get involved? So in February, wow, over a year ago. Yeah, over a year ago, pre-COVID. In February, times, times fly. Oh my gosh. Times fly on the podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> so in February, I was invited by a family friend to go see this, this movie at the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival. And honestly, it was an excuse for me to get out of school. I said, fine, I'm here for it. I don't even have, I actually don't even have Friday class anyways, I'll go down. But I had no idea what the movie was, no interest, it was honestly just like, you know, it's good to see my family and go get some free food and call it a day. Anyways, time passed, saw the movie, myself along with 2,500 people in the Fox Theater in Atlanta, gave a 30 second standing ovation to this film. So, and I don't think I've ever, Maybe I've given a five-second standing ovation to a film. 30, I mean, it was the, one of the most powerful moments I've experienced in a very, very long time, if not the most, in terms of an artistic venue. So this, was, this film ended up being a part of this organization called Spill the Honey. That was the foundational film. And then I reached out when COVID hit to do some, do some work with them, and apparently they needed a moderator for one of their events. And they were like, Blake? you know, we don't have any college students. I was probably, I was probably the youngest by 30 years, um, <laughs> which was fine. I don't mind working with uh, a unique and different age group, which is totally fine with me. I don't care. Sure. Uh, anyways, I moderated the first event, which happened with um, Dr. Clarence B. Jones, who was Martin Luther King's lawyer and legal counsel, and Rabbi Saperstein, who was pretty much on the ground for one of the voting rights bills in 64. He was a really influential guy and he still is. Anyways, the, the, the session went great, got some traction and I was, I was hooked in uh, since. So from that, it's been around seven or eight months. And now I lead 10 students from across the nation who are interested in, in advocacy and, and building bridges between the black and Jewish communities. And we do, we do a lot, but, Biggest gist is we educate, we build bridges, and we use media and arts to promote this, this relationship. 
Yes, I will say I did see the film. It was powerful. I watched it by myself, but just rest assured that I was giving it an ovation standing in my bedroom. So don't you fret about that. But it really is. It's such a powerful coalition that oftentimes is not taught. And I think that's what's most exciting about the work that you guys are doing is that this relationship between the two communities is simply people don't know about it. And it can be used as such a powerful template for moving forward and how we can continue to, like you said, build these bridges to hopefully work towards a more cohesive and harmonious society in the future. So you guys are you guys are doing some amazing work. But I'm curious to know a little bit more, just kind of in theme with this entire episode about team building, especially remote. How have you been able to work towards these shared goals and and basically get everyone on the same page when you're in, like you said, all across the nation, you're leading this as you're basically on your own as the pioneer of this new student led department. What what does that process look like? It's tough. I, I won't I won't cookie cut it. I, it's tough. I'll tell you that. I mean, remote is not, it ain't easy. <laughs> no. so it definitely takes a, a concentrated effort to reach your goals of building a team. Cause at the end of the day, like you said, this, most people don't know about this information, this history, which is the exciting thing about it. It's kind of like, holy moly, this actually is a thing and people get so sparked. It's amazing. Right. So with that being said, you know, college students want to do it all the, like we have so many volunteer interests. A lot of people want to get involved, but you know, we are at capacity right now. Um, before we, we, we need to build our team even more before we can even expand. So anyways, how to make that team manageable and how to make that team unified. That's, that's really the question. And here's my answer. When I was recruiting, it was basically just me as the only student for a decent amount of time. And I realized I need to expand to social media. Let's start there. I put out a couple Facebook, a couple Facebook messages in the UMIS group chat, pretty simple enough. And some kids reached out and they've still been with us for eight months. And now they do social media. One does children's books. They've been amazing. Um, with the recruiting process though, and this kind of goes back to SE Pi Rush and uh, even just recruiting in general is whenever someone would come on or at least be interested in coming on, you'd want to know what their strengths are. So what they're good at and also what they're interested in. Because at the end of the day, if I'm leading an authoritarian, like dictator style type of leadership where it's like, David, do work, do this work, you're probably not going to be too receptive to it, right? I'd actually hope not. I, I really hope you, you would have more authority to say, Blake, that's, that sounds awful. No, thanks. Um, so basically like we would scope the process of, of identifying recruits is we would scope out what their interests are, what their strengths are. So they'd actually be motivated to do the work because at the end of the day, this is a nonprofit organization. None of us are being paid. You know, the motivation for volunteers is I've heard historically from working with other nonprofits, not a lot of people want to spend a lot of time volunteering. You know, people have goodness in their hearts, but it, it reaches a certain capacity where it's like, eh, yeah, I actually have a career and, and stuff. Right. And check go, that box and move okay. on. Right. So that's the challenge of like really building the team. And I think what's been really effective is really identifying what their strengths are, what their interests are, and then building a role after that. Every single role has been customized around those characteristics. And while we may not have a huge team, all team dynamic, where we're all meeting once every two days and, you know, going on social events or whatever, it's still working because everyone is is so interested in their unique role. 
that it's like, okay, well, we may not have to meet all the time, but I really like what I'm doing. So there's no mean, there's no need for me to stop. Right. So, I, and I think that would be one of the key characteristics of building that team is just not being commanding in, in the way that you present information, asking and identifying what they want to do. Because at the end of the day, it's a volunteer organization and only and telling them what to do is only going to be less motivating. So right. those are my. I, yeah. And I think especially in these growth stage organizations, it's so important because there's so much work to do, but it doesn't need to be necessarily defined into specific roles. It's kind of like you're wearing a lot of different hats. We need to make sure that we're customizing these opportunities so that people stay committed, like you alluded to, and stay entrenched in this organization and want to keep giving back. Um, and, and they always say, you know, you read reports about how do I find my dream job? What am I looking for? What are those criteria? And the two most important things they always say are, A, is it something you like to do and you're good at? And B, is it something that's in alignment with your values and missions? And so that seems exactly like the two main factors that you were looking at when trying to devise these custom-built roles. So that, that all sounds, seems to make sense to me. Um, and, and clearly you guys have been having a lot of success with that, which is really exciting. So just, just one more note on Spill the Honey, if you can share it with us, what are some of the, the long-term goals or objectives you're working towards in the next couple of months here? What can we keep our eyes on for you? The next couple of months, we are, let's see, there are a lot of ventures going on, but to keep it focused, for us, the vision, well, we're actually starting a podcast. So uh, I think David has some experience in the podcast world. We're starting a podcast and we're going to be expanding our social media presence very much so, um, maybe to TikTok, to potentially to Clubhouse, potentially to Twitter, and really creating a, a, a media outlet out of it. Um, we're also going to be interviewing some of the top leaders in the Black and Jewish space. So we have people like, like I said, Dr. Clarence Jones, he's Martin Luther King, he's 90 years old, he's his legal counsel, literally his boy, super cool guy. And we have an amazing board of advisors ranging from, you know, Lou Gossett Jr., Emmy, Emmy Award winning actor, um, to, you know, Rabbi Founier, who is a very reputable rabbi in Chicago. The list goes on and on. So the podcast will definitely be something that's uh, interesting to force Bill the Honey. And then also we, we may, uh, I won't release the name because it's not in, in writing and set in stone, but we may be on a, a pretty, pretty reputable network, a TV network where Spill the Honey is, a, is featured in, not just, not just featured, but we may have our own Spill the Honey series. So we'll, uh, we'll keep, keep you guys in the loop on that, but it's not set in stone yet. Big things cooking regardless though. Lots of, you got your fingers in a lot of different pots, honey pots, if you will, but, oh, thank you. Um, but it's just, it's really exciting to see how much you've been able to accomplish despite the challenges of COVID and still pushing towards this incredible mission. So we applaud you. If you need any help with podcasting, you know who to turn to. Um, but just, just to wrap up, as we always kind of finish, you've been going through this process. You've been having your own challenges, learning through this, through everything, right? But what, what kind of guides you? What, what advice, maybe not would you impart, but what do you use as your own life philosophy when you're going about any of these ventures? What are some of those guiding principles for you? It's a good question. I would say keeping a very, very open mind and putting your heart into it because you never know what's going to come your way. Um, but saying no will just reduce your opportunity 100% of the time. Right. So it's just keeping very, just being very open-minded to what's out there. If you're a student at a 
a university right now, there's so much that's going on and that's available to you that having a, a closed-minded approach to whatever you're doing, a club, an organization, a friend, a relationship, whatever it is, it's only going to hinder you at this stage. So keeping a very open mind and then, you know, finding something that, that really gets you going. And once you find something that gets you going, then you can put many, many, many hours of work into it because it's something you care about. And I think for a venture, let's say it's a nonprofit or a startup or, or whatever it is, like, or a club that you're building, at the end of the day, you're, you will persist if you care about it. If you don't, it's probably time to move on. Um, so yeah, I would say keep, keeping an open mind is how I approach uh, many opportunities and, and seeing if it matches up with what I'm interested in, because I'll, I'll work that much harder than what I'm interested in. Yep. Just have to say yes to life and see where it leads. And you never know, you might end up at a super cool organization like Spell the Honey. So Blake, as usual, thank you so much for your time. Dropping words of wisdom. Wouldn't have expected anything else, but really appreciate that you were on the show and look forward to seeing what Spill the Honey can do next. I'm looking forward to what the podcast is going to do next. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. Have a good one. And thank you for listening.